This is a Yellow Wave production. Yo, so I'm straight up bypassing the test that I usually do. If you hear some weird sounds, I'm currently adjusting my microphone, but I had to share this. So I'm going through my last notifications before I started to record. And I'm like flagged on Facebook with uh, memories and blah, blah, blah. I'm going through them real quick just to see, which that alone is crazy. But then this one picture comes up where... I remember when Augie was born thinking this is the worst fucking time of my life, but I also know it's the best. And you always hear people say, you're going to miss this, blah, blah, blah. And even though you know it's true, I'm telling you, it's so true. I'm looking back at this one picture specifically where Sissy, my girl Kennedy, is peeking in over um, his railing on his little like rocking sleeper thing. It's something different but it's the best thing that I actually was ever given for him which that should be another thought for later and um he's just so skinny and tiny laying there and she's just sniffing him and it looks like they're giving like no like um they're like touching noses it's so freaking cute and I remember this exact moment because I took the picture one two the the profound sadness and just like absolute nothingness that I felt at that moment postpartum what up um and then looking back now years later knowing in that moment that I'm gonna look back and be able to see this differently but hating knowing that because I couldn't access that emotion then when I wanted it and needed it it's just wild to me and it makes me think of so many different things but especially suicide because I wonder all the people who are no longer with us because of just pure moments like that where I honestly I want I did not even want to I just was it was horrible it was horrible um and unfortunately I'm not the only one that deals with that or dealt with that when I had Augie. It's pretty freaking common, more common than we even realize, which we're getting better about it, but it's still more common than that. Um, I think people are talking about it more, but in a very basic way. And so here I am coming out to say the actual, like I'm going to just be brutally honest as always with you guys. I, I was looking down at this and First of all, you should know, obviously, I love Augie with my whole entire being, and same with Kennedy, but I was looking down at this, and just, I didn't care, I just was, it was just so much pain, but at the same time, I also had that cognizant realization that this isn't forever, and I'm not always going to feel this way. But guess what? There's times when I felt that same pain without that realization that it's not always going to be this way. And that's when it's tricky. That's when 
stuff hits the fan. That's when people do things that, that are permanent that they wouldn't normally do. So I just wanted to share that with you. I could not even believe it because here we are three years later and I'm looking at this and I'm just like freaking adorable. This is amazing. But I know that even though it is adorable, I know that when I took this picture, I felt exactly the opposite plus more negative. Like just how horrible I felt while this was taken, but also like how that contrasts with how amazing of a picture it is and how cute it is and how it brings out good feelings when at the time it didn't. It's just, to me, is mind-blowing. Our brains are amazing. Our mind is amazing. Our emotional aura, all of that, is just, it's so vast. And yeah, sorry guys, I'm getting distracted because notifications are popping up like crazy and just released the big reveal and I it's just my phone is not stopped like I pretty much had to plug it into a charger and just let it light up it hasn't turned dark once basically so I'm gonna turn it upside down ignore the light for once and focus on you and the podcast and when I come back we're gonna talk about some seriously fucked up shit you guys get used to it though because that's this whole season season two is some fucked up shit okay also my explicit my expletives i'm having a hard time today with certain words my expletives are probably going to shoot through the roof okay i want to ask you about if you have a problem with that why are you listening number two tell me about your podcast Okay, exactly. And number three, what you try and talk about some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about and tell me that it doesn't bring out some serious F-bombs from you. Okay, I will admit it'll come out of me easier than, I don't, what's a good analogy? Um, hmm, I can't think of anything. As soon as I hit done with recording, I will come up with about seven. That's fine. Whatever. I'm human. We all do that. But I want to know if you can talk about anything that I'm about to talk about this whole entire season without losing your cool as well. The answer is no, you cannot. So don't even try. Don't waste your time. Save that time for something else. Okay? And stop being so... Who cares? It's words. It's just a word. Just chill. Just chill. I'm just going to do what I do best and waste no time in diving right into like the craziest, saddest, scariest, like, well, here's the thing. Something I'm going to have to get used to. Season two, as we all know by now, hopefully, if not, listen up, children. Season two is all about true crime with a heavy focus on murder, just because that's majority of it, but not just murder, okay? There's going to be some other stuff that we're going to talk about, but true crime and psychology. And it's December 17th. Not actually, I'm not going to tell you the date right now, but it's not that day. 
However, when this comes out, that's what the date will be, which is right before Christmas. So what better way to blow this up and just get things going in the right direction without, like, what better way to do that without doing a murder focused on Christmas time? An added bonus is the very freaky and unnerving for me personally fact that the big huge title of this murder is the Lawson family the massacre if if you guys are all out there true crime fans murders all that you've probably heard of this if not listen up but the Lawson family it's they were murdered by well and this is where we're going to have to just go through the whole thing of all the facts, but the dad, Charles. Also, he goes by Charlie. So, I'll be calling him Charlie from here on out. But what did he do? He murdered seven people. When did he do it? December 25th, 1929. Whew, okay, this is going to be hard. I mean, they're all going to be hard, but it's just like it happened. We got to get... We got to think of it that way, right? So, victim profile. Who did he kill? His wife, Fanny. She was 37. And then all of their children. Almost all of their children. Uh, Marie, who was 17. Carrie, who was 12. Maybell, who was 7. James, who was 4. Raymond, who was (laughs) 2. It just gets worse and worse. And then Mary Lou, who was 4 months. He... His weapon of choice was a shotgun. It, you guys, this whole name thing is just like, I don't know that I want to do this. The location was Lawsonville, Stokes County, North Carolina, USA. You guys. The Lawson murders in Lawsonville. I mean, oh, this is like almost too much for me. That's my last name. Now. In case you didn't know, that's my married name. Okay, let's get into this. You know what? Actually, I need a second because <laughs> I think we have a lot of editing, right, Kyle? Yeah, we do. We have a lot of editing to do on that. So let me just take care of that real quick and then I'll be right back. I also need a break because <sighs> it's just like, it's one thing to read this stuff, but then to actually start to talk about it is just like a totally different level. And the fact that there's a four-month-old and a two-year-old, it's just... And then there's pictures also. As I'm reading, there's these pictures staring at me, which I will post to the Instagram page. Oh, it's a lot, you guys. It's a lot. Because this actually happened. This is a true story. This isn't like a fictional book or some, you know, myth that people talk about. This is a real story. These were real people. It's just, it's a lot. It's sad and it's it's heavy. So I'll be right back and then we'll continue from there. This first uh, little bit of info, backstory, what have you, is actually an article from Murderpedia. So I cannot take credit for it because I will be reading it as it is written. However, I can and I will if you guys want to let me know how I did. Take credit for the naturalness that I am going to attempt to 
do with this to make it sound like we're just having a conversation. Um, so Charlie, he was born on May 10th, 1886, and he died on December 25th, 1929. If you remember from my intro, that's the same day that he killed his almost entire family. That's because he killed himself after, which is extremely common. I would actually, this is something, anyone out there have any sort of info on this as far as statistics go, I would love to know just how many um, family murders happen that way because I feel like everyone I've heard of, it nine out of ten times. If we're going to give a little leeway, eight out of ten times. But seriously, like nine out of ten times, the person that did that committed that crime always, almost always, commits suicide. But um, he so what he was was is an American tobacco farmer from Stokes County, which is in North Carolina, and he's remembered for having committed one of the most notorious mass murders in the state's history on Christmas Day in 1929. Now, 1929 wasn't alive then. Not as me, anyways. If I was, it was a different life. That's for a whole other season, probably. Not even just an episode. Just a whole other season. But I, there's something about 1929. I won't give too much information, but I incorporate that a lot in a lot of things in my life. That sounds very vague for a reason. I need to protect myself. But 1929, 1929, those numbers for some reason means so much to me. And then when I saw this year and then the name Lawson and then the town Lawsonville, I was just like, obviously this has been dropped in front of me from the universe. Thanks, yo. This is definitely meant to be. While, albeit being super like, like almost too freaky coincidence like oh i don't know if i i don't know if that i like this but we're already doing it so <laughs> trucks already grown going we're rolling down the road cannot stop now it's you just gotta follow through so a little bit of background oh my god <laughs> shut the fuck are you kidding me oh my god you did that on purpose kyle okay hold on as I'm telling you guys how much this is freaking me out, let me just read you a little background about our dear friend Charlie Lawson. His parents were Augustus and Nancy. My son, his name is August. And we joke around and other people joke around and call him Augustus. And my great, my, my great grandma, so my great, great, my great-great-grandpa, something like that, came from Norway to the U.S. And his name was Augustus. This is, no, actually it was Gustav, but they swear it's Augustus. We don't know. That's a, that's beside, don't worry about that. But still, that is getting a little bit, this is getting a little bit crazy, you guys. I don't know that we're going to hear this episode because I don't know if I can do this. Fuck. Okay. So Augustus and Nancy, they lived in the unincorporated community known as Lawsonville, which was located 10 miles from Danbury, the Stokes County seat. He was born there, and then in 1911 married Fanny Manring. They had eight children, but the third, William, that was his name, 
and he was born in 1914. He died of an illness in 1920. Then in 1918, following the move of his younger brothers, Marion and Elijah, to the Germanton area, Lawson followed suit with his family. So he basically followed his brother and their family. Makes sense. I could see. That's easy. Easy peasy. That happens all the time. Uh, The Lawsons worked as sharecroppers, saving enough money by 1927 to buy their own farm on Brook Cove Road. Are you kidding? You guys, I'm going to throw my iPad down. Brook Cove Road. What is my sister's name? It's Brook. Again, this is not planned. I have to take a break. I can't take this. This is too much. Are you shit? What the? This is... Back at it, yo. Heads up, I am downstairs at my house, not in the studio, which means I've got two fur babies with me who one of them is snoring very loud and the other one is apparently, I don't know, she wants something to eat or something because she keeps whining, but I think I've got them enough settled enough that we're not going to have to worry about that. But if you hear any weird background noises... That is what it is. Okay. We're going to talk about these murders now. The actual murders. Because as much as I love true crime, I'm going to try to push this off as much as I can because I don't... It's sad. It's so sad. But anyways, that is what—that is the... Uh, the... What is... What am I trying to think of? That is the... Come on. Um... The price of whatever. You figure it out. Fill in the blanks. Ignore me. Just skip ahead 15 seconds or whatever. So remember, it's 1929. um, And the murders took place on Christmas Day. But shortly before Christmas, Charlie Lawson took his family, which I'll go ahead and go through these names and remind you. That would be his 37-year-old wife, Fanny, and their children, Arthur, who was 16, Marie, who was 17, Carrie, who was 12, Maybell, who was 7, James, who was 4, and Raymond, who was 2, and then Mary Lou, who was 4 months. He took them into town to buy new clothes and to have a family portrait taken. Pretty standard stuff, you would think, right? Well, not so much. Not for them, at least, because they were far from wealthy. And so much so that this seemed unusual for everyone around them at the time but especially afterwards looking back they're like well shit that was a huge clue because that was not normal behavior for them uh on and this is like sad too the those new clothes that they went and bought together as a family that's what they were buried in that that became their burial outfits which is like did that i want to know is that plan like did he plan for that is that what he wanted it to be is that was that his way in like a weird sick twisted way of like in in his mind as a killer I don't know what his psychological state was obviously it wasn't healthy but was that his way of reconciling that like you guys have no idea I'm about to kill you I've got this plan but here's a good memory for us to have one last time a good picture and here's some clothes that we can bury you in i mean that's just so interesting to me that has to have been a factor in it it just has to be 
regardless, even if it's not, it's it's definitely interesting and it stands out. Um, so on that day, which is the 25th of December, 1929, Christmas. Merry Christmas, y'all. Here's a good murder story. Um, <laughs> Jesus, seriously. He, what he did was, he, so the first two he killed were his two daughters, Carrie and Maybell, who were actually on their, they were leaving the house to go to their aunt and uncle's. So he goes out to the tobacco barn and hides there waiting for them. Which that shows, in my opinion, premeditation on a totally different level. Because it's one thing to have these outfits in this picture because who actually knows? No, Charlie knows, but we are just speculating if that was a part of it or if he knew at that time or not. Like, who knows? That could have been something completely different. There could have been something totally different going on. But it just seems to add up and it just kind of goes hand in hand with this. But he knew that they were going to the aunt and uncle's house and he knew the route they would have to take. And so he went ahead of time to be in a spot where he could kill them and hide them before finishing off the rest of his family. That there's something, what happened? I need to know like what made him snap? What made, how did he figure this plan out? Did he insist they go to the aunt and uncle's? Was this something planned? There's so many little details. I would not kill. Whoa. I just took that way too far. There are so many details I would love to know about this that I don't even know if if anyone knows them. But that's just me and my, this is not the article. That was me and my like, whoa, this shows me this is way more detailed and planned than I originally thought. Um, Let me know if you guys think so too or if you guys have a different theory. But anyways, moving along. So he's waiting for them, hiding by the tobacco barn. And then as soon as they were in range, he shot them with a shotgun. And then, just in case that wasn't enough, he ensured that they were dead by bludgeoning them. Which, again, not so much the planning part, but like the enjoyment of it. Like, it's not even like a get this done and move on. It's like a, I'm going to shoot you now. I've got bludgeoning to me feels like rage. It feels like absolute rage taken out, acted out, you know, to shoot someone. Yeah, they're dead. Obviously, if you're shooting to kill, but it's not as satisfactory as far as that would go with somebody who needs to really let their anger out. Whereas bludgeoning, stabbing, stuff like that is. At least to me, that's what makes sense to me. Like if I were, if I bludgeoned somebody, you can bet your ass that I was so angry and that's why they were bludgeoned but anyways again speculation on my part so then after that he places their bodies in the tobacco barn then he goes back to the house and shoots Fanny remember that's his wife who was on the porch I feel like how far away could that have been because if I were his wife and I was standing on the porch and I heard like gunshots but then again they're out kind of in the country I think so Maybe that's not that crazy. I don't know. I I feel like that would have... Maybe that's why she was out on the porch, for all we know. Um, So then... So he shoots her. She's on the porch. As soon as that gun was fired, Marie, who was inside, screams. And then the two small boys, James and Raymond, attempt to find a hiding place. 
seriously, that's so heartbreaking. So you're, picture being a little kid, you're inside, you hear a gunshot outside. The girl screams, probably because she was like, what the fuck is that? And then the little boys try to hide. That's so sad. Atticus is snoring so loud, you guys. I apologize. Hey, buddy. Give me one second. Wake up, mister. Wake up, mister. You're snoring. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yes, you. I'm getting a look of what, mom? Sorry, bud. I'm trying to record. Okay. All right. So then those two little boys try to find a hiding place, which, as we know, they don't succeed because they end up dying as well. But mm, getting ahead of myself. So Lawson shoots Marie, and then he found and shot the two boys, which the way that's worded, to me, it's like picture watching a horror movie where someone's hiding, and then the killer is looking for them. Like, he knows they're in there. He's obviously got this planned out enough to know where everyone is and where they're headed and all of that so that he can successfully take everyone out which bone chilling i have full body goosebumps like oh my god that's so no one stands a chance against somebody like that especially your in your own family picture your dad or your husband doing that you would never suspect that so you right away that's like a triple whammy you do not stand a chance And maybe that in itself is what alarms me the most or what is fascinating to me the most. That's what most fascinates me about this case. I'm not sure I can figure out what it is that is just... What part of this makes it so messed up that I can't even get over it? I don't know. I'm assuming that's one of them. Um... I it's this is just psychology wise it's just I want to know that's the worst part is wanting to know why and how and just but but we never will so it's crazy so he again he finds the boys and shoots them and then last of all he killed the baby Mary Lou this next part it is thought that she was bludgeoned to death So he didn't even shoot her. He just like started hitting her like crazy, which makes me cringe because after that first hit, there's no way she's dead. Like, did she feel it? I just hope she didn't. I just hope she, I hope it was quick because she's four months old, you guys, four months old. So after these murders, he went into the nearby woods and a few hours later shot himself. What was he doing in those few hours? like was he freaking out was he like what did i do was he celebrating did he nap did i just oh to have to be a fly on the wall so to speak in this situation would have been terrifying obviously it would not want that but i just i need as a, a human being i need to know more i need to understand And I guess that's going to be my uh, biggest bugaboo with season two is because we're talking about murder, something I cannot under, I will not ever be able to understand it. A passion, a crime of passion, maybe an accident, obviously, but even that is just like, oh, too much. So here's the interesting part though. So he shoots his, um, he shoots himself a few hours later in the nearby woods. 
there is a survivor because you guys if you remember i didn't mention anything about anything happening to 16 year old arthur whom lawson had sent on an errand just before starting his work so it's not even like the mom so let's picture this charlie goes out to the tobacco barn to hide and wait for his daughters and the mom's like oh arthur i need this or that can you go and get that for me and he goes the murderer himself charlie sent this boy on an errand for a reason why why him you know again so many questions and no answers it's this is horrible um so yeah he sends him on this errand and then he does all this stuff um oh shit okay wow i didn't okay i actually probably should read these things before i start recording but i kind of like not doing that because since i've got all this extra time until season two comes out i have more time and i have more help now with editing so i can always go back at least that's the idea in my mind and do it better if i don't like the end product i did not know this because i just read it but all the bodies so all the family members all of their bodies were found with their arms crossed and rocks under their heads why why i feel like did he was he did he lose did something happen and he just like lost his mind and thought like that he had the or did somebody tell him he had to do i just there's so many questions you guys so many questions um the gunshot from charlie's own suicide was heard by several people um who later on learned what happened but they all remember hearing that and eventually they went over so like a crowd forms on the property because they hear this gunshot Uh, a police officer who was with charlie lawson wait what oh okay so oh okay so apparently at the gunshots from the whole family like when he went on the spree and killed the family were heard and people were already gathering a crowd at their house so then there's a police officer who's with charlie lawson I guess you guys i don't understand so there's a police officer who was with charlie lawson he ran down and found charlie dead in letters to his parents as footprints encircled the tree it was supposed that he had been pacing around the tree prior to taking his life so i don't understand this um there's a i don't know this isn't written in a way that's clear and i have other articles i'll be looking into but did the police officer was he in on it or was he truly like called on scene then was with charlie then found the family and then heard charlie comes off and then found charlie i don't understand that part at all and it might seem minute but even the smallest things are huge factors in cases in general but especially murder um so yeah real quick i'm gonna take a break see if i can figure that out or look into my other articles and see if it tells me 
what that's about. But when we get back, we'll, we'll either clarify that or we'll still just have yet another question to keep on our list of questions with no answers. And then we will also talk about rumors, speculations, all that good stuff. But also, again, with everything, take it with a grain of salt, especially rumors and speculation. Because really, all that is, is gossip. And I firmly believe within some gossip, there is a a form of truth, but it's not always what you think. So you you can't take that as absolute truth. So as far as the police officer situation that I was so confused by, uh, I actually am going to finish recording and then look into that. So if at the end of this episode there is a little add-on note, then you know. And if not, nothing was figured out or maybe I'm the only one that's confused by it. Either way, it is what it is. Uh, So some of the speculations and murders... Uh, so there were rumors as to why Charlie would take the lives of his uh, family and himself. And it was speculated that Charlie did not murder his family at all, but that it was staged to look as though Charlie had committed suicide. One of the explanations for why that would be was that Charlie had witnessed an organized crime incident and had been found out. So then he and his family were murdered for it. Another one involves a black man Charlie had started a fight with. That's all that's said about that, which is strange, but neither of these rumors seemed plausible or could fit with the facts. All signs obviously pointed to a murder slash suicide. Now, the way that's written, I understand this isn't written by the police officers or people involved per se, but that seems very, like, overstated. All the signs, and obviously, seems a little bit overselling. However, I'm just a girl reading an article about a crazy murder that is just so confusing and clearly looking for any answer at all whatsoever. I would not put it past me to be looking a little too hard at things that don't, that aren't there. Pulling things out of this that aren't actually there. But that does, for some reason, that sentence interested me because it was like a very, like someone trying to convince somebody else of something with language alone. Um, Now, here we are. We're going to get into this little incest theory, which I'm going to point out the fact that incest is one thing. This feels a lot more like straight up, pedophilia within like so a double like incestual pedophilia which is the worst um so was murder i mean that's what this is season two is the worst i should have named it that the worst because it's all shitty so there's this book it's called white christmas bloody christmas that was published in 1990 um which is basically about all of this stuff and Once it was published, a strong claim kind of floated up to the surface. And that would be that a lot of people, apparently, once they were interviewed regarding this loss and family murder, and this is coming from the book's authors, which they are M. Bruce Jones and Trudy J. Smith. They found that after interviewing all of these people for this book, 
several people recounted rumors and stories regarding Charlie, Marie, and incest. So, in 1989, the authors had received a call from an anonymous woman. She said she had gone on a tour of the Lawson home shortly after the murders, and the tour guide had told them all about the incest rumor, which he apparently stated as fact. The day before the book was to be published, the authors received a phone call from Stella Lawson, who was the daughter of Marion Lawson, and cousin to the Lawson children, who had already been interviewed for the book. On this occasion, she told them she knew the truth as to why Charlie did it. Stella said that at the funeral for the Lawsons, she overheard personally, so she personally overheard this, she heard Fanny's sisters-in-law and aunts, including Stella's mother, Jetty Lawson, discussing how Fanny Lawson had confided in them that she had been concerned about Charlie and Marie. Jetty, Stella's mom, died in early 1928, meaning Fanny had been suspicious of the incest at least that long before the murders, which were in late 1929, as we know. Uh, that's, uh, that's sad. Uh, even more evidence was revealed in The Meaning of Our Tears, which, hold on, what's this? What's The Meaning of Our Tears? They don't say. I don't know what that is. Again, that's probably going to be released later with the correction or clarification on my police question from earlier. But in the meaning of our tears, uh, there was some seriously convincing evidence that came from a close friend of Marie Lawson's named Ella May. Ella May claims that just weeks before Christmas, Marie told her that she was pregnant and that it was Charlie's. Marie is the daughter, remember, not the wife. <laughs> That's the whole issue with this part. Ella uh, May also said that Charlie and Fanny knew about this. Hill Hampton, another close friend and neighbor to the Lawson family, was also interviewed. He said that he knew of serious problems going on within the family, and he knew the nature of the problem, but that it was personal and he chose not to reveal what it was. Well, Hill, here's the thing. You know what else is personal? Murder and suicide, both of which happened, at least at surface like value. At face value, that's what's happened. Um, also, they're gone. So can you, if you really know something, you need to speak up because holding it back literally does nothing. I, that annoys me, you guys. I can't talk about it. It's personal. Again, so is murder. These people are dead. They were killed by someone very close, near and dear to them. Their protector. That's more personal. So, come on. Either shut up, get out, admit that you're just wanting attention, or tell the people what you know. If you guys can't think. Apparently, I have a problem with Hill. H.H. Hill Hampton. I really do not like you because that's bullshit. Anyways, this next part is pretty interesting. After the murders, and we're talking really shortly after them, so like, real quick, these everyone's murdered, and then Charlie's brother, Marion Lawson, decides, you know what's a good idea? I'm going to open the home as a tourist attraction. This is how shortly after this happened. There was a cake that Marie Lawson, Kennedy, stop. One second, girlfriend. They are so starving, and it's not even time to eat. Um, puppy problems, am I right? 
So there was a cake that Marie Lawson had baked on Christmas Day that was displayed on the tour. The cake, she made this cake, it's still there. Okay, that's how quickly the brother's like, what? yeah, let's make some money off this shit. Um, so then, because visitors started to pick at the raisins on the cake to take as souvenirs, somebody decided to place it in a covered glass cake dish and then preserve it for many years. So I don't know how long that was preserved for it. I'm going to add that to my list of things to look up. But apparently... It was such an issue that people were taking the raisins off of it, mind you, probably because it was still fresh. They had to cover it with a glass jar and then decided to preserve it, which actually is as weird as it is. That's fascinating to me. Like, to see a cake, if that thing was still preserved, to look at that cake and know that it was the one that she made on the day, that's that's crazy. I have to know more. I will let you guys know what I find out, but that is so interesting to me. Uh, nerd alert, maybe, whatever. So then the last bit I have for you for now is that among the many remembrances of the event is a folk song. So there's a folk song entitled The Murder of the Lawson Family. What a good title. Very creative. <laughs> Uh, the song was recorded by the Stanley Brothers in March of 1956. It was released by Columbia Records on the CD called An Evening Long Ago in 2004. Huh. So these people recorded it in 1956 and then it was released in 2004. That is also interesting because of the time gap. Don't worry, I will add that to my list of things to look up to um, update you guys with. But aside from that, aside from the updates with the police officer, let's see, what do we have here? The police officer, we have this incestual issue. We have, I want to look up this book. And I'm definitely looking up Hillhampton because I smell, I smell something fishy with him. Um, and I want to get to, to the bottom of that, but I also need to know about this cake and then this song that was recorded in 56 and released in 2004. I would love, I'm going to go listen to it now if I can find it. And I will be releasing some of these pictures of the family and anything else I find that seems interesting or some like something that my fans, you guys would want to see or know about and i will tell you always okay i got you aside from that um it's it's been taxing and exhausting talking about murder especially a murder like this on christmas and then all the things that we know like who died and just the sadness of those strictly facts add to that the rumors of incest and pedophilia and uh, it's just a lot, and I feel very heavy right now. So I'm going to take a quick break, shake it off, do, do a little bit of yoga or something, and then I'll come back with a, a way to lighten the mood or to release some of that heaviness before I just sign off. And I don't know what that is yet, so I need to go and figure that out. But rest assured, I won't leave you guys hanging heavy with what we just heard. Um, 
I won't ever do that. So don't worry about that. We will always leave it on a good note, but at the same time, we're so we'll always leave it on a good note while respecting the fact that this is a true story. This happened. Lives were lost. It's a tra- it is a tragedy. It will always be a tragedy. So I'm never going to disrespect that, but I do not ever want to just like say all the stuff I just said, this hard and dark stuff, and then leave you guys. I will. I won't do that. We'll try to bring it back to the light, lean into the light before we leave, and then go from there. All right. So yeah, I'll be back. Atticus is snoring again. This guy. Oh, you're so cute. I figured it out, you guys. I did some digging and turns out I can clear up the police officer situation. So the police officer was not with Charlie Lawson. The police officer was with Arthur Lawson. So by the time all these murders are going on, obviously people are figuring it out, hearing it, getting concerned. So my guess is several people at that point called the police. But on top of that, everyone kind of started heading that way. Uh, and there there was already a pretty large crowd by the time that Arthur and this police officer showed up. My guess is the police officer said, told Arthur, you know, stay here so he could go over the scene or whatever to protect him. The, again, this is my assumption. And that's when he found the body of Charlie Lawson. So yeah, that was good to clear up because I was like, dude, there's no way this has conspiracy written all over it. But turns out, no, just wrong person, wrong name. So there's a couple of other things I found that I wanted to share. Where was it? Hold on, people. Oh, yeah. So there were motive. Like, we always want to know why because we're human beings and we just like things to make sense. We like patterns, just stuff like that. Just basic psychological shit that we're talking about here. Apparently, months before the event, Charlie Lawson had sustained a head injury. Um, And some family and friends theorized that it had altered his mental state and was related to the massacre. However, after the autopsy and analysis of his brain, which happened at Johns Hopkins Hospital, there were no abnormalities found. Quick thought I'm going to interject on to this little section right here is the brain is crazy. Like the whole body is insane, but the brain is still so unknown. So that does not, that is not cut and dry for me personally as nope, that the head injury did not affect him because there's no way that we can actually know that with our level of science at this time. Another thing I thought was interesting is, and also I could totally agree with this, given the facts that I've given you all, which is all that I can, you know, that's all I'm given. So given everything that we have here, I can see how this would make sense. In the other article I read to you, they were, there were doubters on um, their ability to pay for these clothes and how it was like a weird thing to do for them. But this article points out the fact that um, that doesn't mean anything and it doesn't mean that it was premeditated or at least premeditated to that 
time. Like, even if he did end up deciding to do this, it's possible that that happened, that decision to do this happened after these this outing for the clothes and the picture because it's not uncommon for somebody who just bought their own farm two years ago before this happened and who had recently they were in an article that went out in the wire which i'm guessing is like newspaper i don't know the day after the murders so that means they wrote this and said this about him being a well-to-do person and and basically like look at this guy he's a his family and they're well-to-do and they're business owner a farmer you know they're they're farmers successful farmers so they have not necessarily a ton of money but they're not poor like the other article is making it kind of seem to be so whether either one of those is true or a third option not sure i just wanted to share that with you and uh yeah another sad for me i think is later on um so arthur lawson the one who survived he was killed in a 1945 motor accident so car accident uh he was only 32 so when he died he left behind a wife and four children so it's like damn you you escaped that somehow and then this happens it's just like it's like i don't know that i don't believe in curses or anything like that but it just feels like you guys were just from the start like just not gonna get out alive i guess We've all heard of a white Christmas, but have you ever heard of a blue Christmas? If not, you're about to learn all about it. So this year, in 2019, blue Christmas is November 28th through December 31st, which means that today, December 17th, is a part of this tradition, blue Christmas. So while Christmas is normally a time for joy, you know, decorations are set up, people get together with friends and family, presents are given, lots of laughter, lots of parties, lots of fun. Not many people realize that those in law enforcement work tirelessly during the holiday season to keep people safe. I would like to add every day, no matter what the season, all day, every day, 24-7. Blue Christmas is a holiday dedicated to those who work in that field, giving them an opportunity to be thanked for their services and celebrate Christmas their own way. So let's get into a little bit of history of Blue Christmas. While Elvis made the term a Blue Christmas popular to describe Christmas blues, this holiday is for those specifically who work in law enforcement, such as police, firefighters, EMTs, and 911 dispatchers. For them, it is rough. Long nights in the wet, cold snow, or long nights in the office can be particularly dangerous especially for those who have the potential factor of being shot at, having emotional trauma from an emergency situation, and so forth. And I'm thinking about like a hundred different scenarios right now that could happen at any given moment. Because of their job, they keep people safe and save lives, but it comes at a cost. They miss out on spending time with their families and they lose out on enjoying what Christmas is all about. Do you want to know how you can celebrate Blue Christmas? Take part by displaying a blue light throughout the winter holidays. It can be a single porch light, blue candles in the window, or even blue Christmas lights as part of your display. If you know someone who works in law enforcement or the medical industry, 
buy or make them a gift and take the time out to thank them personally for what they do to keep society and the holidays going. Share this holiday on social media using the hashtag BlueChristmas and let everyone know how important it is to see those who don't ask for much in return. I, for one, look forward to seeing all of your blue lights and your hashtags on your social media. What are you going to do for Blue Christmas? Sorry, guys, if that was too much for you. Um, I can assure you it's only going to get worse. Some weeks will be better than others. Some subjects are going to be easier to talk about, easier to listen to. But yeah, that one was pretty rough, especially because it was my first official in season two. However, I did promise like something lighter to leave with. And I've got a couple things. We're going to talk about the amazing rosé that I'm drinking courtesy to a patient of ours at the clinic. Obviously, if you've heard of HIPAA, you'll understand I cannot give his or her name and I'm extra cautious. I won't even tell you what sex they are. That is what you get when you come to our clinic. I will protect the shit out of your information. Anyways, it's amazing. It's the last time I got these, they were in bottles, which was awesome. But I'll, these are in cans, which is also awesome because it, it tastes exactly the same, which is what I was nervous about, but no reason to be nervous. They taste exactly the same. Cans are lighter, easier. They don't break. It's great. It's awesome all the way around. Um, another fun thing that happened was today I was driving back to work after lunch and I, w- I don't know why. I was just like in a mood, which lately it feels like that's all I'm ever in is a mood. And this lightened me right up. There was this guy on a bike and he had this white ass poodle who like a standard poodle, which means big for those of you who don't know dogs. And this thing was just trotting perfectly in, pa- in pace with him, like keeping right up with him, not struggling, not lagging, just like having the time of its life trotting it looked like a Clydesdale and it had when I passed I looked back obviously because I'm not gonna not stare at this beautiful creature having the time of its life and the smile on its face and then he looked right at me he or she I'm I'm for some reason I got vibes of a boy dog uh he looked right at me and tongue out just like super smiley and I could I smiled the rest of the way to work I could not take it off my face if I tried, which I didn't because it was so cute. So then I get to work, I get out of my car and I look over at 47, the road I just came off of, and they're stopped in front of my great grandpa's house and my grandpa and grandma's house once he passed away. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's so crazy that they stopped right there. And, and the dog again, turned its head and looked at me and smiled. And I'm like, I feel like this might be my grandpa, like, giving me a sign, like, hey, what up? Anyways, regardless of what it was, it made me feel so good, and I was smiling, and I just, I I remembered why I love dogs, reason number 79 million, because I love them because they're dogs, but all that aside, 
they are he this dog was so happy to just be out on a leash with his human running around while he rode his bike it it was like the best day ever for this dog he was just ecstatic to be out in the world trotting along showing off his beautiful white coat i mean it was so cute and i was just like yes 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 thank you for the reminder i have forgotten for like a month now at least how to be truly happy and just not give a fuck. So yeah, that's my palate cleanser, if you will. Just my uplifting thing before I leave you after telling you about a horrific murder of an entire family almost, minus one person, and a suicide. And right around Christmas, on top of all of that, I owe you a little bit of a buffer, if you will. So that's what that was. Um, here's the thing, though. I can't remember since the last time I was able to record. Like, this recording right now feels so much more foreign to me than the last one, which the last one, to me, felt like it had been five years since I had recorded. So that makes me super nervous about season two, but in a good way, because soon it's it's going to be what I'm used to, this recording for you guys and the podcast all the time. And if this became a job for me, holy shit, let me just take off my coat and let me just rub my face for a second because what? That would be amazing. So if that happens, get ready for a whirlwind of information. But until then... I'm just doing the best I can as a mom and a working mom on top of that, which oh, maybe season three will be motherhood. I don't know. But it, the second we talk about that, I'm going to, I'm probably going to blow up human combustion, spontaneous combustion. It's real. Look it up. That's going to be me. Just kidding. I don't want to put that out into the universe. I'm joking, but I can relate. It's cray cray. Anyways. I hope you guys enjoyed. Stay tuned for see. I'm so used to saying season two. We are in season two. It's real. It's here. It's now. That's amazing. Stay tuned for episode two of season two. Okay? I love you guys. I hope you enjoy your Christmas that's coming up. And if you have a hard time with that for whatever reason or with family, just know that I, we can all relate in some way, shape, or form. Reach out to me, get a hold of me, and I will be there for you. But you're never alone. I'm here. You're not alone. No matter how weird you feel or how bad you feel, if you have certain feelings towards the holiday or family members, again, you're not alone, believe it or not. It's becoming more popular now to talk about that. But if you're one of those people who are secluded and in a really small town, then you probably haven't had that chance. But I am not trying to cut this off because I will be here for you. But there is a quote that I heard while I was cuddling my great Dane on the couch tonight and it was on Hallmark and Hallmark, whatever. I love it. I put it on there for the on the TV for them because it's like so generic but like and that's not a diss that's a compliment I don't know how else to explain that without forgetting what I'm talking about and this is important to me because this quote 
I was literally snuggling him and then I heard this woman say it and I shot up and I'm like, where the if is my phone? I got to write this down immediately because I, it resonated with me inside of my entire being. You guys, it's so good. So if you're like me and you're from a small town, um, I mean, we moved around a lot. We lived in Las Vegas, Nevada, um, Battle Mountain, Nevada, uh, Montana, came back to Morris, all that fun stuff. But Morris feels like my hometown, probably because I spent the most time here. So I've always called it my hometown. Um, But I've also always been called farther away, like really far away. Not Wisconsin, not Indiana, nowhere near here. Like we're talking West Coast, California, to be specific. Other places, but for some reason, since I was very young, California. But this quote made me feel understood. Whether it's made up or not, I don't feel like it is. I feel like somebody said this to somebody, whether they were a working crew, the person directing, somebody heard this from somebody important to them. And that's probably why it resonates with me. But this little girl was asking this woman, why are you so obsessed or why are you so anxious or in like intent on getting to this place from where you are right now and she basically started explaining why where she's aware of where she's at right now and she's not trying to escape she's happy but she knows it's not where she belongs and she is talking about her hometown and she said and it's a small town and she says how she uh she explains that she's got so much love for the place and it will always be a part of her and she'll never not come back and visit it. It will always be there and she'll always make it a part of her life. But she is like a magnet being pulled away and she didn't even have a reason to to explain it. And I haven't watched the rest because like I said, I was just cuddling my dog. I did not expect to be pulled into whatever was happening on TV because I don't really watch TV. Um, But the quote is this and it explains... It talks about people who are born in one place and end up somewhere so very far away. And not just for by circumstance, but because they're pulled there and like they have to fight people like their coworkers, their friends, their family, their loved ones to get to this place far away. And it's like, why do you want to be here when you're here? And then it shows like two pins on a map so opposite of each other. And this quote is, The further you get from where you started, the closer you get to where you belong. And I about died because it felt so true. Like, yes, thank you. You kind of put into words what I've always known and always felt and never knew how to express. And that's not all of it. It's only a small part of it. But that small part, I feel, gives so many people who are questioning, like, what are you thinking, Brit? Or like, why are you so obsessed with this? And they can't understand or wrap their minds around it. Guess what? Neither can I. But this quote hopefully helps you or someone you know, if they're experiencing this, relate in a way like, okay, I don't necessarily understand because I've not experienced that. Or I can't relate to this quote, but I can see how it would make sense. So yeah, hope you enjoy. Did not mean for that to take so long, but you know what? It's fine. It's fine. You need this buffer time after each murder because like I said, some of them are going to be really, really bad. Like they're all bad because it's murder. 
and people are dying. Like it's horrible, but some of them are worse than others. And we're talking about this during Christmas. It's like a weird time to promote season two. And I'm sorry, but I'm not like you can have both. You can have murder and a little pick me up at the end. And I'll bring that to you every week. I love you guys. Enjoy your Christmas. I will see you next week. Bye. Earth to Brit can be found wherever you go to get your next podcast fix. My handle on Instagram and Facebook is Earth to Brit Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Earth to Brit Pod. Emails can be sent to earth to Brit.podcast at gmail.com. The podcast website is www.anchor.fm slash earth to Brit. Remember, Brit is spelled with two T's. B-R-I-T-T. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This out. This is a Yellow Wave production.